from the WIA. This is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. Amateur Radio gets people talking. Hi, I'm Robert, VK3DN. And I'm Brian, VK3HXR. G'day, Robert. G'day, listeners. G'day, Brian. Welcome back. Good to be here, Robert. It is indeed. Week two of uh, four weeks whilst Graham's away overseas. I hope he's really enjoying himself. And we have to thank all of the contributors to the news uh, because they've really made our job very easy this week. Now, what have you been up to this week, Brian? Have you been surfing the web again? Always. Always you know that. And uh, my favourite article from this week, and we've got something from Make Magazine uh, later in the news, but I won't talk about that just yet. Something else from the Make, uh, Make Magazine website, the DIY powder coating rig. Sounds awesome. This is for home. Yeah, uh, put it together yourselves, powder coat whatever you like. Uh, there's some uh, homebrew equipment that they're actually showing in the, um, in the article, but I'm thinking uh, I've got a TS50 at home with some dings and scratches and gouges out, so it might be something to do on the weekend. Run it through the homebrew powder coater. I think it's going to probably take me a few weekends to build the powder coater first, but yeah, it's something to do. Well, you know the guys in our club down here are building uh, pan brake folders so to make their own construction cases or project cases, so there you go. You can not only fold the case, but uh, powder coat it. Well, we'll put that uh, link to that uh, item in the uh, text edition for all the listeners who are interested. But let's get to the news. Indeed. You've got the first story there, Brian. I do want to start off with the VK100 WIA Roundup. And uh, the Moorabbin District Radio Club has thanked the amateur radio community for helping to make its recent VK100 WIA roster slot a success with over 600 contacts being logged. The members of Victoria's oldest established radio club worked hard concentrating on-air activity through the special call sign to support the centenary of organised amateur radio in Australia. Looking ahead, the VK100 WIA roster. This week, the Hills Amateur Radio Group in Western Australia is in full swing for operating VK100 WIA from its club rooms in Sanderson Street, Lesmerty. It has opened its radio shack to the public and there's been interest shown by the local newspaper, The Hills Gazette. On Tuesday, the Central Goldfields Amateur Radio Club will be launching its three-day slot and going all out to the centenary of organised amateur radio in Australia by operating from the Talbot Radio Arts Museum. The club, which is based in Maryborough, Central Victoria, has an interesting story to tell its local media about one of the earlier amateur wireless experimenters who lived in Maryborough. And on Tuesday, a special guest at the Talbot Museum in Camp Street, Talbot, will be the president of the Wireless Institute of Australia, none other than Michael Owen, VK3KI, who will give a brief speech at 11.30 just before the barbecue is fired up. So do listen out for VK100WIA at 0001 UTC on Tuesday the 3rd of August, emanating from Talbot. The special course on roster moves to Victoria's Mornington Peninsula on Friday the 6th, Saturday the 7th and Sunday the 8th of August, where it will be put to air by the Southern Peninsula Amateur Radio Club. Most of the operating will be from the Scout Hall, Point Nepean Road, Rosebud, a high public profile location in the centre of Rosebud with a display to include software-defined radio. The members of Spark are very enthusiastic about promoting amateur radio and have contacted their local news media seeking publicity. Looking even further ahead at the roster, we see the Newcastle-based VK2AWA contest group, the Illawarra Amateur Radio Society and Australia's youngest club, the Macedon Rangers Amateur Radio Club in Victoria, all set to play a part in the centenary celebrations. 
Brian, one of the things that really strikes me about the VK100 WIA centenary celebrations is the opportunity to learn about the hobby. And we spoke about this with Jim Linton uh, last time we had the privilege of presenting the news. And you were looking at the media section of the WIA website. Well, if you look at it again this week, there's even further articles that have been added. And news media promotion this week. We have a double-headed promotion. A large article in the Hastings Independent Newspaper in Victoria has promoted both the Frankston and Mornington Peninsula Amateur Radio Club and the Southern Peninsula Amateur Radio Club. This excellent story not only gives readers both details of the VK100 WIA activity, but how to follow up each club for more information. While including the history of amateur radio and its role in providing emergency communications, it also features a photo of nine-year-old Callum Seymour operating on the air, a radio amateur of the future. And to VK6, where the Hills Amateur Radio Group has had two newspaper articles published drawing attention to the club and creating interest. The first article in Echo News is headlined, 100 Years and Still Growing Strong. The other article, Radio Buff's Mark Milestone, which includes a photograph of the High President, Martin Street and VK6 ZMS, who is quoted talking about amateur radio and gets in a good plug for the club. In an email received, Martin said club members were delighted in being part of the centenary celebration and added, thanks for the WIA media kit, it did the job nicely. And a reminder for all clubs to file their media hits so these can be included in the WIA Club Media Feedback section of the WIA website and mentioned right here on the broadcast. Now the North Queensland Net VK100 WIA report. The Townsville Amateur Radio Club as part of its three-day block provided by the WIA utilised VK100 WIA during the running of the Sunday July 25th evening North Queensland Net on 3605.4 kHz along with relay and callbacks on 146.7 MHz. 38 stations called in on 80 metres, and most stayed on for the second round of the net run by Gavin, VK4ZZ, while 10 operators called in on 2 metres, with most staying on for the second round of the net run by Richard, VK4FRJG. Propagation was good on 80 metres, with stations worked in VK3, VK6, VK2 and VK4 call areas. Wow. Women on wireless celebrate the centenary. Brian, were you listening to the bands last weekend? I was. There was a lot of activity for Alara, wasn't there? There was indeed. Well, the Australian Ladies Amateur Radio Association, Alara, threw itself into the task for putting the WIA special call sign VK100WIA on air and did an outstanding job. Jean Fisher, VK3VIP, the Victorian Alara representative, led the way, duly facilitated by OM John, VK3DQ, who is designated T-Boy, with the operating being shared by Margaret Blight, VK3FMAB, and Michelle Grant, VK3FEAT. Among the highlights reported by Jean, VK3VIP, was making contact with Dick, GI3OUR, in Northern Ireland, and VK100WIA being net control of the 160 metre band coffee break net. Alara was active on the 160, 80, 40 and 20 metre bands, mostly on single sideband, but also some CW contacts as well, plus 2 metres, including IRLP and transmissions through the Melbourne Digital Amateur TV repeater VK3RTV. The log for the three days shows DX contacts with Bruni, Chile, Costa Rica, Croatia, Honduras, Japan, New Zealand, Northern Ireland, 
New Caledonia, Russia and the United States. Well done. Well done indeed to the Alara members Jean, Margaret and Michelle and others who made it such a success. While there's no contest for rostered clubs in terms of the number of contacts they make, it's interesting to note Alara tallied up 660 contacts in three days. Now that's second behind Amateur Radio Victoria which had 798 contacts when four of its members put VK100 WAA on air on behalf of the WAA during the month of May. Alara is now thinking of how it can top off its effort with VK100 WAA and celebrating the centenary of organised amateur radio in Australia by seeking some media publicity for Alara in its 30th anniversary year. Well done to the ladies and congratulations on 30 years. And further news of the Anne Renton Memorial Ladies Net. It was time to focus on the Wales with VK100 WIA during the Townsville Amateur Radio Club Inc. activation of the WIA 100 birthday special call during the Anne Renton Memorial Ladies Net on Tuesday evening the 27th of July. A special linking operation enabled the net, which usually operates on the Townsville 2 metre repeater, to also run on the Townsville 70 centimetre repeater, link via IRLP to the Rockhampton VHF repeater, and also link in 3605.4 kHz with net control by Lindell VK4ZM in Vincent. And all behind the scenes interlinking done by Gavin VK4ZZ at the Tark Club Rooms at West End. The net was blessed with the attendance of YL's Evie VK4EQ and Denise VK4FCDB in Townsville and Mary VK4PZ and Merrill VK4HAJ in Rockhampton. Alas, no contacts were made on 80 metres. However, Jeff VK4NJB in Rockhampton and 5OMs in Townsville were also able to join in the special edition of the net and share with the warm glow of the VK100 WIA callsign. Hi, this is Dick Smith, VK2DIK. It's great to see the publicity being achieved for amateur radio, the WIA and local radio clubs during the centenary of organised amateur radio in Australia. I know that effective promotion and marketing can make a huge difference. The WIA centenary is an excellent opportunity to achieve positive publicity, a greater awareness and understanding of amateur radio within the wider community. Well done to those WIA-affiliated clubs who have already promoted the WIA centenary and good luck to those planning to do so in the coming months. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. And now to hands across Australia, starting in VK2. Coming up next weekend, the Summerland Amateur Radio Club presents the 2010 Sarkfest it's on Sunday the 8th of August at the Club Rooms at 414 Richmond Hill Road, Gunalabar, just 10 k's out of Lismore. There will be displays, traders, tucker, talks, raffles, refreshments and best of all, lots of, as they say, pre-loved ham radio gear for sale. And for those keen on building radio equipment, there's a big stock of parts to clear, including a big selection of hard-to-find butterfly, beehive and compression trimmer capacitors. Gates open at 9am. To get a location map and information flyer, send an email with the title HAMFEST to vk2acd at dodo.com.au. There's plenty of parking space and no need to book to sell from a table or your car boot. See you at Sarkfest next Sunday. Sounds like a good HAMFEST, that one. Exciting. And now to uh, Dale, VK4DMC, who sent us this report from the Tablelands Radio and Electronics Club. Last Sunday, Trek members and friends helped the Trek president, John, VK4 Tango Lima, celebrate his 80th birthday. 
The party was a huge success with lots of food and drinks and of course a guided tour of John's shack where he proudly demonstrated his new Alicraft K3 transceiver. We also got to see his nearly completed homebrew 1kW linear amplifier. Truly a work of art. Things are happening here in far north Queensland with many activities planned for the next few months. Coming up, communication support for the Far North Horse Endurance Riders events. On the 14th and 15th of August, Trek will be setting up a public display for VP Day at the Rocky Creek War Memorial. Using restored Second World War transmitting equipment, we hope to work stations for the RD contest. The following weekend, we'll see Trek members activating the Archer Point Lighthouse, just south of Cooktown, for the International Lighthouse Lightship Weekend. A club meeting is planned towards the end of the month and on the last weekend of August another communication support event for the endurance riders. All in all, a busy month ahead for Trek members. This has been Dale, VK4DMC, 7-3. Thank you Dale, and yes, a busy month ahead. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. And VK3, it can be heard on VK3 REC repeater on 147.175 MHz at 9.30am on Sunday morning. The broadcast is repeated on Wednesday evening at 8pm. I'm John, VK3 ARK. Now to VK8, we've got a story here about the SSTV repeater. VK8 NSB SSTV repeater has been on air now for over six weeks from Darwin with stations in VK2, 3, 4, and a couple of JA operators submitting reports. Stewie, VK8 NSB, reports that the repeater, as of Sunday the 25th of July, is now fully operational thanks to good mate Gary, doing the honours of placing the 10 metre vertical 12 metres high on tower number 2 at Stewie's QDH. The repeater now operates 30 watts into a halfway vertical for 10 metres on 28700 upper sideband. Stewie advises that there are currently 8 pictures on the system, and a different picture will beacon every 30 minutes. Amateurs wishing to use the repeater only have to tone the system with a 1750 kHz tone for 2 seconds, which will activate the repeater. If anyone has any problems or is interested in learning more about SSTV, please drop Stewie an email at vk8nsb at hotmail.com. Now, here's an interesting one, Brian. I think this one probably qualifies for the weird and wonderful. The strange story involves electronics lore. And it seems that Lucasfilms Limited recently served a manufacturer of a handheld laser with a cease and desist letter. This because they were selling an item that it claimed to be too close in resemblance to its trademark lightsabers. Uh, you remember those lightsabers from Star Wars? Very well. <laughs> well, the Hong Kong firm, they decided to use the force, that is the force of eBay, to score some revenge. And this by putting the cease and desist letter up for auction on eBay. The actual letter. The actual letter was up on Fantastic. eBay. According to the Hollywood Reporter of this uh, story, the uh, letter was not signed by George Lucas himself. Rather, the company marketed the legal document as an opportunity for the bidders to win a piece of Lucasfilm history as well as to contribute to the company's battle or the costs of the battle with a giant film maker. Vroom. Let the force be with you, Brian. Yes. Vroom, vroom. Now to operational news. Special events and on-air contest column, Dateline 2010. August 2nd from ZL, the Waitakere Sprint CW section. August 14.50 for WIA, the Remembrance Day Contest. 21st and 22nd of August, International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend. 
October 23rd, WIA National Field Day, inaugural event. October 2nd and 3rd, Oceania DX Contest phone segment, 9th and 10th CW segment, and November 20 and 21, Spring VHF UHF Field Day. Hello listeners, I'm Peter Harding, VK4OD, the WIA RD Contest Manager. Today being the 1st of August, and you have about three weeks to the commencement of this year's RD Contest. I have not asked this in the past, so I would ask that when you send in your logs, either by electronic or postal means, please ensure that you have the correct postal return address. Anybody requiring any of the forms posted to them, please contact me ASAP. In the coming week, I will finalise the opening speech, which at this point it will run exactly 30 minutes, and I will finish off with a series of beeps indicating it is 0800 UTC. I will also send out a special email via the usual weekly news server. The opening speech will also be available via the WIA website. For those people that are handwriting their logs, please try to write your logs in a legible manner, as in the past some logs have been very hard to decipher. Until next week, this is Peter Harding. And here, with another tip for the RD contest, Trent VK4TI. Good morning, Trent VK4TI here. If you're planning a multi-op station for the RD, remember to make up some bandpass filters to reduce interstation interference. For the classic VHF UHF, bandpass filters can be simply made from coaxial T-pieces, and these also work well at HF. For my HF setup, I use auto-switch bandpass filters on both rigs that cover 160 through 10. This allows me to monitor 40 while working on 80 metres without any interference. Certainly worth checking out if you're planning multi-op stations. Back to the news desk. And on to Media Watch, uh, this one could almost fit into the weird and wonderful... Believe it or not, this story from our weird and wonderful file. TV series is inviting amateur radio enthusiasts. Sounds good, right? Yeah. Described as a sort of blind date on a bus, the producers of a forthcoming TV series are inviting amateur radio enthusiasts and others to take part. The show revolves around a souped-up double-decker bus which is touring around cities in Britain. Producers are looking for single people aged between 18 and 30 to take part and are particularly keen to hear from people with any sort of talent to show off. Can you imagine how many antennas you can put on the roof of that thing? Buses are big. They are. Buses are huge. Last Sunday, the 25th of July, Ham Radio hit the big time on the net with a specific request for advice listed on the international geek news site slash.org. Amateur Radio has been making waves on the net again. Last Sunday, on the 25th of July, Ham Radio hit the big time on the net with a specific request for advice listed on the International Geek News website, slashdot.org. The person wants to go long-distance trail walking in the wilds of Colorado's mountains and wanted to know whether it's sensible to use a satellite phone or whether amateur radio could help out. He asked, I'm only interested in acquiring a radio and licence if it's more effective and reliable than the cell phones I already carry. Now, there was lots of advice given, including VHF and UHF handhelds through repeaters, 
including a suggestion to put a personal repeater in his car at the trailhead. Amateur radio satellite options were extensively discussed. Lots of other people discussed the relative merits of mobile phones versus Global Star, Spot, Iridium and so forth. Personal emergency locator beacons versus EPIRBs. Someone made the mistake of saying that amateur radio is dying, he also spelt it incorrectly, and was quickly told that 2009 was a bumper year for new licenses in the USA, and 2010 is already well ahead of last year. With good net publicity like this that goes all over the world, amateur radio will be looking up everywhere. For National Radio News, I'm Peter Ellis, VK1PE. Thank you, Peter. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. And here's another item from the internet, and the one we alluded to earlier from Make Magazine. They presented an $8,000 DIY ham satellite kit. If you've ever wanted your own personal ham radio satellite but thought it was financially out of reach, the Make Magazine blog carries a short item on a satellite that can be yours for just $8,000 US, I'm sure. Called a TubeSat, the magazine says that the kit for a tiny bird from interorbital systems is designed to function as a basic satellite bus or as a simple standalone satellite. Included are the satellite's structural components, printed circuit boards, electronic components, solar cells and everything needed to build the satellite. Also included are the required programming tools. Makes blog says that with these components alone, the builder can construct a satellite that puts out enough power to be picked up on the ground by a handheld amateur radio receiver. It says that simple applications, including broadcasting a repeating message from orbit or programming the satellite to function as a private orbital amateur radio relay station, is possible. Interorbital systems say that it can deploy 32 of these tiny satellites simultaneously on a Neptune 30 launcher from the Pacific island of Tonga. The first launch is slated for the end of the year. These satellites will go up into a very low Earth orbit and would probably have a lifetime of only a few months. If you have an extra $8,000 and want to be the first with his or her own personal ham radio satellite, you can read more about the concept online in the Make Magazine blog at tinyurl.com forward slash personal bird. Well, that's pretty amazing, Brian, your own personal satellite. I wonder how many people in VK will be taking up that offer. Okay, on to some more technology news, this time twisting crystals. Chemists in the United States and Russia have created crystals that can twist and untwist. This, they say, points to much more varied process of crystal growth than previously ever thought and could pave the way to new electronics products. Here's Bill Pasternak, WA6ITF, in the newsroom with details. Crystal growth has traditionally been viewed as a collection of individual atoms, molecules, or small clusters adding to a larger block that remains in a fixed translational relationship to the rest. But New York University and St. Petersburg State University chemists have discovered a wholly new phenomenon for growth in crystal structure that continually changes shape as it grows. To do this, the research is focused on crystals from hipporic acid, which is a derivative of the amino acid glycine. As molecules were added to the end of the crystalline needles, stress built up on the tips of the crystals that resulted in a helical twist. The process was reversed when the crystals thickened from the opposite end and the growing tip thereby undid its twisted formations. The researchers' work, which appears in the latest issue of the Journal of the American Chemical Society, may explain some of the properties of high polymers. These are used in clothing, 
and liquid crystal displays, among other consumer and telecommunications-related products. For the Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Bill Pasternak, WA6ITF, in the newsroom in Los Angeles. You can read more on this fascinating scientific breakthrough online at tinyurl.com forward slash crystal twist. With some news on IOTA, VK4SWE on Swears Island in the Gulf of Carpentaria. Lynn is the only ham on Swears, IOTA OC227, and is in the Morningtonshire. She currently runs 100 watts into a vertical, but is soon to enjoy 400 watts, a tri-band Yagi, and a 50-foot tower. And with rescue radio news... New call signs for Ireland's amateur radio emergency network, Ireland's regulator Comreg, has issued a new set of call signs for use by the AREN, the Amateur Radio Emergency Network. The call signs are available for use during training and emergency nets as directed by the National Coordinator. The three new call signs to listen out for are EI0AC, EI0EC and EI0NC and supersede any call signs issued in the past. And now, Brian, to something that's pretty near and dear to my heart, lighthouses and the lighthouses and lightships and a tide of registrations for the International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend. The 300th registration this year is from Rainer Kledke, D07RKL, for the Westerhavensand Lighthouse in the northernmost part of Germany on a peninsula between the North and the Baltic Seas. A most famous landmark, it stands 41 metres tall on a peninsula between the North and the Baltic Seas. There are 340 lighthouses, some lightships and one time-balled tower registered so far for the International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend, and that's on the 21st and the 22nd of August. Australia has been a strong supporter of this fun event, celebrating the history of lighthouses. Australia has some 53 registrations, just ahead of Germany on 50, and the United States with some 40 lighthouses. There's still lots of lonely lighthouses out there looking for company of friendly radio hams, so to learn more or register a lighthouse, visit the website. That's www.illw.net. The event, now in its 11th year, was begun by the Air Radio Club of Scotland, GM0AYR, and has radio amateurs and lighthouses in some 30 countries involved. Thanks to Jim Linton, VK3PC, for that story. OK, Brian, now you've got some news of uh, social events occurring, what, this week and next week and the week <laughs> after? Yeah, take it away. Just a couple of extras. Don't forget the ham fest that were already mentioned in the news earlier. But uh, today, VK6 Northern Corridor Group Hamfest at the Cyril Jackson Sports Centre Ashfield. And uh, in November, in VK5, the 2010 Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society Hamfest at Rosa Street, Goodwood. And that's about it, actually. Thanks for that, Brian. Well, we've come to the end of the news. We and uh, I'd like to personally thank all the people who sent in news reports this week. It makes our job a lot easier, and particularly those people that took the time to record their reports on their club activities, too. Thank you for that. It's always great to hear an excited club member talk about what's happening. Indeed it is. All right, until next week, we've reported and you decide. We've reported you decide.